name is Selva Kulichelvin and I am fighting for my life. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government, in our name, treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. It's true I could be one more suicide So say I'm not a worthless human being Cause no one needs a worthless human being My family needs with my friend, my really good friend Achal Nai. Yeah. Um, actually, I haven't seen him for a very long time, so it's yeah. really nice to catch up with him today. Um, and I just wanted to talk to him about what he thought and what he felt about the whole um, the political um, issue that has been happening with um, with the government, both federal and state, um, using the Sudanese community as as scapegoats and as as a as a pawn in their political games. Um, and I just wanted to to be able to put a face to that and and to actually talk about how it's it's directly affecting individual people in the Sudanese community. Yeah. All this, this hate speech that is happening online, in the media, how do you feel that it affects the community directly? We were saying that there is a very high um, rate of suicide yeah. um, in, in, this, in the Sudanese community. Um, yeah. There's struggle with jobs, yeah. um, that type of thing. Yes. What have you seen? Uh, well, all I could say is just like uh, with with the issue of suicide, uh, the job issues, and uh, the community being all, firstly, the whole marginalized of African countries into one, you know, group. Yes. Like say, you know, people from Kenya, people from Uganda, people from South Africa, all put into one category, you know? Like saying they're all gangs, you know, that alone, it, 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 uh, it create a wound, a scar, for the African community in here, and and it kind of uh, it promote hate for other races to hate on African for no reason, and and within that it create a lot of problem with the with the African like for, for for example we can't get jobs anywhere we go you know like as soon as they hear you're from South Sudan and that's the first thing they hear in the news you know South Sudanese are creating problems South Sudanese are fighting South Sudanese are these gangs African gangs you know and. Like I was saying before, uh, we have so many uh, Africans who are graduates who completed their studies. Uh, it could be like in engineering, doctors, uh, pilots, whatever field they're in, and yet they can't get the job that they want. Uh, all this is the effect of the African gang the effect of uh, how the, uh, the the politician trying to use this as uh, their own weapon, you know, just to gain recognition and all that kind of stuff. And this has a big effect on the South Sudanese youth, and not just the South Sudanese youth, the African youth that who are like trying to go somewhere within Australia, you know, studying, whether they're in school, whether they're in university, or after they graduate, you know, they find there's no hope because 
They see, they see that the um, the other guys in their community are not getting anywhere, even it, with their degrees. Exactly, and even with exactly. And stuff like that, uh, it creates the youth to become more rebellious. Like, they run away from the community, you know. Some of them, like, you know, still doing some positive, and there's a few bad apples that would just run away and start creating trouble and all that stuff. And then the whole community get mad and that's so it's like, you know, hey, you know, that's... It's a whole community issue, but it's actually not a community issue because, uh, like, if we come to the reality, a crime is a personal choice. Yeah, it's not a community choice. Yeah, it, yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly, something like that. But for them, for 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 the government to bring this whole issue as like, oh, the community, it's, it's a problem. community issue yeah. right now. It's like saying. Every crime that happened in Australia is, is Australian issue. Yes. It's, yeah. It's not. It's a personal choices that individual make. You know, they wake up one day and like, oh, I'm gonna steal. That's not a community choice. You never seen a community sitting together like, hey, let's gonna steal our money from these people. So to get the the politician to attack the community, to get the, uh, you know, uh, like Neil Erickson's people like that yeah. attacking and Senator. The, the uh, patriots, yeah, the yeah, patriots, yeah. You know, just attacking like the the whole community for individual choices is just ignorant, like literally, you know, and 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 there is nobody that's gonna suffer from it except the youth, because the youth are the one that's gonna grow yeah, up yeah, in grow this up, environment, yeah, yeah, and affected by this kind of stuff, like when the incident we saw in St Kilda. You know, where the guy came with the camera and found like a young group of Africans just playing soccer, minding their own business. And he came and he tried to, uh, you know, instigate like, you know, the whole situation. And for them, I'm happy it ended up in a, in a peaceful way from the other side, you know. Mm. But for Neil, he should, not, for Neil, he should, he should have not done uh, this thing at all. He should have uh, grabbed his camera and just go. And you know he's waiting for a reaction. Yeah, he was yeah. waiting for a reaction, mm. and I'm I'm really glad this the guys were there like very responsible and they know what's happening and they're very aware of, of the what situation. he's trying to yeah, do with of, the community. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 just to mention, yeah, with within last year we had like about six South Sudanese youth who committed suicide, and 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 this all it 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 goes back to the to all the things that happened with the community, you know? Because firstly, no job, nothing to do, no help with the schooling. No support. No support at all, no family support, you know? All this came and they, when they find out, and, and the story, some of the story, like if you actually hear it, it's like, it's very sad what the youth actually, before they kill the server, what they say to their friend or something like that. It's sad, it's sad, sad story to go through, you know? Yeah, and, a lot of people are not noticing that, and I, I really argue like the, for us as a community to come together in that one, firstly to unite, and I also ask for the uh, Australian uh, government to, you know, find a hand, to join us hand on hand to work this issue out, you know, to tackle this problem that's been happening, you know, the the, the youth crime, the. Um, the issue that leading to committing suicide. Yeah, so, mental health yeah, issues. Yeah, mental health issues. Yeah. And family support, the school support, and all this kind of stuff, you know, to all come at once. Yeah. Yeah. You were mentioning um, how 
you yourself also struggled with finding work and all that the, that the people um, yeah. in your community, yeah. you find that they're all working at Aldi yeah. and even yeah. though they have all their degrees yeah. and... and um, yeah, a lot, a lot. And I'll say like, I'll say this a lot. Um, I'll say 80%, 60% of the Southern Sudanese youth in Australia they're all uh, degree holders, you know, and some of them are already on their way to finish their degree. And when they finish, they don't get a job, you know. And you, and, you were um, studying to become uh, a pilot. Yeah. And uh, then why did you stop? Then? I stopped because, it's, you know, the whole idea that's surrounding it, uh, firstly, I, before I even got there, I, I experienced the racial, uh, racism at my school about it when I, when I asked I wanted to be a pilot. There was a discouraging from the teachers and all that stuff. But that did not stop me from going there. But when I went there actually t- trying to be a pilot, uh, there is a couple of South Sudanese pilots within Australia. And what happened is when I saw them, they're not getting the job, I felt like discouraged. Mm. You know, uh, I felt like I'm going to spend like uh, 120000 on a flying school and then when I finish, I'm not going to get it. Yeah, there's no job. Basically, I'm going to go back working. And most of them are working in like factories. Some of them are working in the mine. And like I was saying before, the those graduates are working in the warehousing. They're working at Maya. They're working at Safeway. They're working at security. And... It's very sad because they spend all their life studying. Imagine studying all your life, you know, for your dream job, and then not just when you reach the end, you're happy, you're gonna find a job. Then, and it's not the language barrier because these guys, they're not, they're very well articulated. Well, they wouldn't have been able to yeah. graduate yeah, if they exactly. could. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're very smart, you know, because they have to work twice as hard, you know, than the people that were living in Australia. And for them not to get a job, that it it takes a toll on them, you know. It it plays with their mental. It affects their mental health yeah, because exactly. they work. They they see they see around them other people working really hard and getting to where they are. And exactly. for some reason, yeah. even though they work twice as hard, they yeah. don't get there. Imagine I'm going to a university with other students from different nationality, and I'm I am the only person that's been judged because of my color of my or my or background. You know, I'm not judged by my character. I'm judged by my background, my color, and uh, the way the media is portraying us. It all kind of, it plays into a big... uh, Bigger issue. Yeah. It becomes a big, yeah, Yeah. it adds up inside you. Yeah. And from there you give up hope, you know, all your degree just put them at home. I know people like when I go to their house and I see degrees on the wall and I look like they graduate, you know, and they they're not doing the job that they're not supposed they they're supposed to be doing. And I ask them like, "Where you working?" Hey, man, I'm just working like at uh, Tom. I'm working at uh, Safeway. I'm the security there right now. You know, it's sad. Like really sad. And this issue, like the government need to create some platform to help those graduate too. If you want to, you know, to to minimize all the issues that happen within the community, you have to open the door for them. You can't... You can't keep the door shut and then yeah. blame them when yeah. they become depressed and, and have nowhere to go and nothing to do. Exactly. Because you have created those 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 boundaries, those, yeah. those barriers yeah. for them to achieve anything. Yeah. 
And and another thing is that we have like uh, so many great athletes, like you know, soccer, basketball, and everything like that. And it's telling me that you know my brothers, my own brothers, have to go to get a scholarship to play in the United States than actually playing in here in, in, Australia. in, in Australia here, you know. Because they see the opportunities out there and it's not here, the opportunities further and they have to cross an ocean for it when they can just be playing here in the MBL or anything like that. They have the height, they have the ability to, uh, to play at a, a higher level, but they're not getting the chances, you know. And that's also, that's another thing that if we talk about the sport, a lot of our youth are suffering in that part because they put so much time on it, so much like uh, energy, you know, believing that they're gonna make it. But then also in that department, there's, uh, it's a closed door because the people who are controlling it, they're using it for their own benefit. Like they do use it and they, and we've, we've I have experienced racism playing in sport and a lot of us experiencing it at the same time. The higher we can go is just like, the level below international, we can't go beyond that. And I also heard that there have been issues with um, the use of basketball courts, for example, in, was it in Sunshine or? Yeah. Um, uh, where they stopped um, the Sudanese youth from, from playing there exactly. for no reason. Yeah. I mean, there's a few people who created uh, uh, pro a trouble, but a whole community should not suffer yes. from it. Like seriously, you know, because of some Australian right, we kind of stopped the whole national team from playing in a, in another country because of a few people just have fought for Australia. No, that's not how it works. So what happened is those people, they went and fought after the basketball and none of them are the players. None of mm. them from any team. They're just a few young kids, young girls, young boys. They went and hired uh, Airbnb and they throw a party there and after after the party, they just uh, basically damaged everything. But that had nothing to do with the basketball, you know? The basketball finished long way before that, and that, that thing happened at night. Mm -hmm. So for the media to use that and to try to make it sound like it's the basketball issue, and now to stop it for like a whole year, that's really affected a lot of uh, young kids who, who see the tournament as a, as a way to escape their own... Uh, Frustration. Yeah, frustration, exactly. And just to, they find, that's where they find comfort, yeah? Playing every day, you know, just uh, believing that they're going to make it to the NBL, to the NBA, at the slam dunk competition, you know, other scouting are coming from the US, from the NBL, looking at them. This is their only chance and has been taken away from them. You know, and the media try to blame it that uh, it's, it's because of the basketball, but it's not. Uh, you have um, you have mentioned to me uh, incidents where um, people have been incredibly racist towards you, blatantly yeah. racist. Um, you mentioned the guy you lived next door to. Yeah, I used to live in Hoppers Crossing, and I believe my this is like uh, I believe my neighbor is. Uh, I don't want to say it, but he's a rebel supporter. Mm. <laughs> he's, he had the rebel's flag and uh, the Nazi flag. So what happened, he used to come outside and every time like I'm getting out of my house, he would look at me and spit. And for me, I understand that to me, that's, uh, that's a hate there. Like he does not want me 
close to him at all. And he would abuse my kids from uh, when my kids they go and play outside. So he would just look at them, you know, like he doesn't want them to play in the in front of his uh, backyard. And every time he would drive in his car, like he's actually literally he drives slowly, looking at my windows, you know, and trying to see who's inside the house. And things like that, it made me feel like my something was gonna happen to my family, you know. So every time I would drive from my workplace, coming home, I would, I would literally drive fast just to get home, to, to make, make sure, sure that, that my they're family's okay. Like, yeah, you know, because my house didn't have a fence at all. It's an open uh, front yard. So he could have just come in so any day. Yeah, and I don't know what he could do if my kids are playing on the street. He could just come and run them over and say like, oh, they, I was driving and they were there. Yeah, yeah. They were there. You know, it doesn't make any sense. You know, but to me, it made a lot of sense because. You've but, shown so much hate. Yeah, exactly. So you just don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, next. yeah. And and uh, and the day I actually left that house, I actually felt, uh, I'm um, like I'm going to a safer place. So I moved to Traganina, and there I live like our neighbors. They're like Muslims, uh, Buddhists, Christian, and it's uh, it's a kind of safe, safe environment. So my kids will play outside because I know my neighbors' kids. They all play outside, but. At the other side of Hoppers Crossing, things were tough. And how like, long were you there for? I was like for uh, two years. Oh my God, you didn't move. Really <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, the worst, that's the worst, yeah. Two years. Two years of mm. Hoppers That was the worst two years of, of like, living to a neighbor that, you know, you just don't want to... The hate. neighbor just shows you so much hate yeah. every day, every, yeah. every opportunity he gets yeah. to show you that he hates you and doesn't yeah. want you to and, be there. And you know the funny thing, the closest neighbor to me, he's, he's an old man, and his name is uh, Frank, and he's a good man. He's, uh, he's got a, his wife, he takes good care of his wife because, you know, they're all at that place. And he would come actually to my house. I remember he brought a table and he's like, I don't want to use this table anymore. Do you, ha- do you want anything to use it for? And I remember I had my studio and I was like, yeah, definitely I could use a table <laughs> for my studio stuff. So I had a big table that I just put my mix on it. And it was uh, a great gesture from uh, from yeah. uh, neighbors mm. you know, to do something like that, even though the other side <laughs> the enemy. <laughs> it's in the other side, but your friend is in this side. Yeah. It was like a, it's like a, a great feeling. I remember, you know, the first time I bought my BMW, he kind of like, oh, great BMW, you're going to suffer a lot for fixing it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's, and it happened actually, you know. Yeah. But he was great. Expensive. And every time I see him out, you know, he greeted, he would come like to my house, like if I need anything, he would ask. I would go to him and I knock at him. I remember when we were leaving, I knocked at his house. I told him we're leaving that house. It's like it's going to be sad, you know. Sucks you leaving, but anyways, you gotta do it sometime, you know. Mm. Which is great. Like I felt like that's the only thing I picked from that area. One neighbor is yeah. bad, one neighbor is good, and I don't know the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they are, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was like really great, you know. And so, what do you see as uh, as a way forward in this whole situation? What are your what are your ideas or? Uh, I, my ideas for the, at the moment with the crisis that happening, I think uh, the the Australian government have a big hand to play in this, and uh, they and the community have a, a hand to play in this at the same time. Our community need to accept that we have a problem. 
and and the problem is not the the crisis of the youth creating trouble because problem is a problem criminal is a criminal you know you can never say criminal is a community thing you know criminal is a criminal but a mental issue like a, men, a, mental, a health. mental health issue is it can be a community thing because if we are all suffering from it a lot of people are going to fall from that department and going to create problems out there and with the government they can create jobs uh, and like provide I said, more support pro- yeah, for single mothers yeah, you were saying yeah i was saying before for single mothers you know there's a lot of single mothers in australia that who who came here uh, you know, as single mothers, because they're readers. fleeing conflict. Yeah, Their husbands exactly. have died. Yeah, and they so, have six children. Yeah, more, more. Yeah, six children or more, and that's not their fault. You know, it's it's not. You know, but when they come here, like they're working by themselves, they're supporting the kids by themselves. They don't have time to do their homework. They don't have time to support the kids. They don't have time to do all the stuff that necessary for for a, a child, a six child. children. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for six children to nurture them to become good people in the community, you know. So if one hand is doing it and the government is not supporting, of course she's gonna be struggling a lot, you know. Mm. And we've seen the effect of that. It, it, it the children are growing yeah, up, growing and, up, yeah, and, you know, struggling. And, and they have no role models, you know. Mm. Yeah, and the few role models that we know, as we, I was telling you before, my young doll, you know, that's an issue because. My little kid, you know, that's his idol, you know. You bought him my, a top. Yeah, yeah bought him a top. top. My, yeah, my jack doll top, you know. And he, they actually saw him at the school too, you know, because they used to go like uh, in, in Windover. So for for me, that's a heartbreaking. For my kids, that's also heartbreaking. But I'm glad, you know, all this worked out in a, uh, for the better that he's, he's safe and he's uh, recovering, recovering well, you yeah. know. And he's going to get all the help he needed, you know, and the family are supporting him. The whole Southern Sudanese are supporting him. But this is where the issue comes, like the community should settle down and try to work this through. And the Australian government come down to work this through because we don't want more people, young people dying for unnecessary things, you know. You were yeah. saying that um, uh, for your community to try and get over what is going on, yeah. um, compared to everybody else they have to work twice as hard yeah um yeah. twice as hard to to survive in in a country where they don't firstly they don't speak the language yeah. but also twice as hard to prove um that they are good citizens yeah. it's, it's not just good enough to yeah. to live um a normal life like everybody else but you almost have to go yeah. the extra mile and do all the community work and yeah. um and things like that. So you were talking about how a lot of um, people that you know yeah. are doing um, things in the community to try and and combat the yeah. situation. Yeah. Do you want, um, you tell me about the guy who organized the the soccer? Yeah. So we had I had a friend of mine. His name is uh, George, and he organized uh, a soccer that happened every, uh, weekly. Uh, uh, that happened in Hoppers Crossing. Uh, what he does, he train a lot of uh, uh, youth, young kids uh, to play soccer every Sunday, you know, just to make sure that they do good to the community, you know, and he invite teams from places. So the tournament, it can be like today, a team from, two teams from this side and two t- teams from the uh, eastern suburbs that comes and play together. And then next week, there's a different team playing, you know, and just, uh, coming together actually like uh, 
as one, you know, just one community and, you know. The kids have something to look forward to exactly. and something to. Yeah. And at least they have hopes, you know, something to do on Saturdays, on Sundays, mm-hmm. on the weekends, you know, because during the days, uh, during the weekdays, what they're doing is they're going to school. Uh, some of them are going to work, and when they have nothing to do on the weekend, if you put like sport and other activities, it's great. Yeah, yeah. for them yeah. that's great. You know, mm. yeah, he's been doing that so far, and it's it's been great. Like you know, that's a great achievement for the community because nobody thought of that before, and for him to bring it and and the whole. Just kids are on it right now. This is so such yeah. a great thing, and I'm actually proud of uh, that. And not just him. There's also the the basketball. Uh, uh, this guy with the name Manyang, you know, mm. Manyang Barberi. He's the he he run. Uh, I don't know if you know Longhorn uh, basketball in Sunshine. Uh, also, that I think they play uh, uh, fortnightly or every week. And there's a lot of Sudanese kids. From him, they get a scholarship to the United States, which uh, two of my brothers they oh, actually got a scholarship amazing. from. The, yeah. yeah, and it's really good because a lot of kids who are playing basketball they look up to him, and uh, he elevate a lot of uh, those uh, young kids mm. to success. You know, mm. and a few of them made made it to the NBA. Yeah, oh, that's you know? good. so yeah. good. It's actually a great thing when you talk about it. Yeah. And that's where the hope comes when you drop when you draw the hope uh, for the young generation. They they can they can see a pathway. They yeah. can see a path out or up or exactly. wherever it is. Yeah. Um, they can go exactly. And 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 like my brothers, you know, they they say if they make it to the NBA, then at the moment they don't drink, they don't smoke nothing because they and all so the basketball focused. kids, yeah. all the basketball kids. They don't drink, they don't smoke, nothing because they've got a hope. They've got yeah, a hope. Yeah, you know? yeah. Even the soccer kids, the one that uh, mm. I told you with John, mm. they the same thing. Yeah. So the minority that goes and create the trouble is, is yeah. literally just like everybody else. And you were saying there's also a guy tutoring kids after yeah, um, yeah. after school. Yes. Uh, and that's yeah. been really helpful as well because yeah. that's that extra support for the mums. Yes. Um, yes. to help with their homework and yeah. things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there's uh, the program is one in Daniel mm-hmm. and one in Melton. So what they do is uh, they go to the uh, the family house and get together on the the kids, the kids. that need uh, help. They take them to the library and there's a few of them that do maths, physics, and whatever that they need help with, they help them, which is a great, that also a great, a great achievement, mm. and it's worth a celebration too. You know, yeah. Now a lot of young kids also look up to him because if they're going through schools and all that stuff, they don't have to suffer anymore. You know, there's somebody's helping them. Yeah. A lot of people who graduate now, they... It's because of him. Yeah. yeah. You know, now they, you know, lending a hand to that's so for good. free. Yeah. They don't have to pay anything. You know, and that's good. And uh, we also appreciate like uh, some of the grant that have been handed to uh, the community. To the community, yeah. you know, to help with the issue. Even the the community is a little bit crippled. You know. Mm, mm. Yeah. There's a bit of problem there, but it's kind of working towards to help with uh, the issues that are happening at the moment. Yeah. yeah. 
That's really good. Thank yeah. you so much, at no all. Like, at you, all. I hope I hope that people listening in have found um, a lot of things to think about, and yeah. um, maybe we'll we'll try and edit into into a shorter thing and, and make yeah. sure we get to share this on social media. No problem. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. at all. You've been listening to Refugee Radio. Please stay tuned for the Latin American update. I remember when I was growing up. If my mother got angry or frustrated with me, she'd say, Now the basic translation of that is, oh, how beautiful is freedom. But where is freedom? Freedom.